0: Let's get it going on the Locked On Thunder Podcast. On the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, Rylan Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore styles. It's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. You can follow the show on Twitter at L-O-ThunderPod. Email the show, L-O-ThunderPod at gmail.com. Call in the show for 05-362-7128. On today's show, brought to you by Locker Room, changing the way we talk about sports. I'll be live on Locker Room. At 11 a.m. today on Thursday, so come hang out. On today's show, we're going to dive into the game against the Indiana Pacers. Taylor Maldon looking very good. Darius Baisley looking good again. Isaiah Roby standing out. Kenny was hustling. And is Makai Luke legit? But We start the way we always do with the game overview. And in this game, the Thunder did not have SGA. They did not have Lou Dort. Gabrielle Deck was out as well. Josh Hall and Muscala were both out. And Isaiah Roby, of course, was in. Now, Pogu did play in this game, but he only played about five minutes because he left the game early with a non-COVID-related illness. That does not sound very long-term to me. It sounds like a stomach bug or something of that effect. And I'm sure he'll be fine for Friday, but something to monitor moving forward. But again, stressing the fact that it's a non-COVID-related illness. For the Pacers, though, this turned into a big tank fest because Gogo was out, Jeremy Lamb was out, Doug McDermott was out. Montes Sabonis was out, Miles Turner was out, TJ Warren was out, and then Jakar Sampson was out with a, sus- with a suspension from their last game. The Thunder starters today were their 26th starting lineup of the season. It was Teo Malavon, Smokai Luke, Alexei Moses Brown, and Darius Baisley, the 26th starting group of the season. In this game, Indiana, despite not having a single big man on their roster and their tallest guy being about 6'5", was way more physical in this game. They even won the rebounding battle by one rebound in the first quarter, and they just battled hard, and the rebounding edge went to Oklahoma City at the end of the game, 67-53, to but Indiana really battled hard in this game, and the bottom line is Indiana comes up far more clutch than Oklahoma City does. Indiana had a big lead uh, at one point in the first quarter. The two teams started exchanging runs beyond that because, as you know, like you saying, both the Thunder always have run in them. And it comes down to really two categories. And it's fast break points, which Indiana won 35 to 11, and shooting splits. Because from the field, Oklahoma City shot 46%, Indiana shot 45. From three, Indiana shot 35, and OKC shot 31. But at the free throw line, you see your biggest difference. And that's the fact that Indiana made 80% of their free throws. And Oklahoma City made just 68. Throughout the course of this, you saw... What a clutch team does and what a clutch team doesn't do, and the Thunder just fell short in those big spots. The Thunder did dominate the paint, though. The Thunder won the paint battle 76-52, to which is a big deal whenever you're not getting those shots to fall to try to attack the interior, try to attack the paint. And the Thunder did something also interesting in this game. Despite having a couple seven-footers, and of course, Poku is a seven-footer who left early, so despite having the size advantage no matter what, instead of... Outright manipulating that and using Tony Bradley a ton or Moses Brown a ton, they really match size for the most, for the majority of this game. They put Baisley at five. They put Isaiah Roby at five. And they kind of went small with Indiana. And I found that interesting because Moses Brown, although he's 7'2", has the motor and the, and the skill set that would allow him to keep pace in this game. But he had a disappointing first half. And that's where you saw them trend towards Baisley and trend torn towards Roby in this one. Uh, the story of today's game from an individual standpoint is Tail Maldon. Uh, he doesn't have the flashy box score. And again, this is a rookie who's making his NBA debut this season in the in the wacky season that sees no summer league, sees no preseason, sees no time to practice. And so the box score is not going to leap out at you. I mean, nine points, seven assists, two rebounds, 50% from three, but 30% from the floor. The individual plays, though, are, are what really really catch your eye for a Thunder fan, and what really point out the value that he has. First of all, his passing ability is unbelievable. It it is almost unfair to be this young and be able to pass this well at the NBA level. He has incredible vision. He had that out of bounds, falling out of bounds. looks like he lost the ball, but instead it goes perfectly to Sfi. He didn't lose the ball. He just made it look that way to the defense and finds Sfi he had the give and go, which he begins his shooting motion, realizes, hey, you know what? If I don't shoot this, Kenny Hustle is just steaming down the lane at wide open. So he takes it with one hand and just ropes it to Kenny Hustle like he's a quarterback. And Kenny Hustle gets a layup in it, and now that goes well. He has the transition passes like the bounce pass this fee. And then he pulls out this overhead hook shot looking pass. To Isaiah Roby, I've never seen before. Tejo's passing is legitimate. And he's shooting threes again very well. He hit two of them in this game. And you were seeing, though, on one of those threes, he was coming off of a screen and doing it on the move, doing it off the dribble, and not as a spot-up shooter. That's very impressive for his game because we've seen that he can be a spot-up shooter. We've seen that he can catch and shoot very well. Uh, But being able to shoot threes on the move will impact his game and his development greatly moving forward. So I really enjoyed that part of his game. And then one of the biggest talking points is the fact that he was a leader in this game. And you saw him early on from the the word go, setting the tempo both with his play and with his just leadership of getting guys aligned on defense, talking to Moses Brown after the the, uh, quarter break and and yelling at him for his defense and trying to get him into this game because he had a very, very, very slow start. And you saw that Teo was a vocal leader. I think that catches people off guard because he's 19, he's a rookie. But this is a guy who's played professional ball overseas since he's 16 years old. So he's kind of more seasoned than what a typical 19-year-old would be. It's still impressive because it's an NBA game and you're in a new environment, you're in a new country, you're in a new league, you're in a new everything. And to already have that confidence in yourself and belief in yourself that you should be the guy to go and maybe give Moses Brown an earful if he's messed up or get these guys aligned defensively or yell at them to get back on defense, to feel that position of power already is a big deal for what he could become as a, as a leader. And if he does become that leader and you're looking at him as a kind of a six-man type role or a fringe starter type role, well, then having a leader on the bench that's also a vocal leader as well as a on-the-court good player, that can go a long way if you're a secondary group. So everything about Teo's game today was very... Encouraging for his future. The seven assists were great. The points were great, but but again, the, the efficiency numbers from the floor were not there. They were there from behind the arc. It's the individual plays and the individual flashes that really will have you excited about Tail Maldon. I think that he's hit the rookie wall a bit. I said that before this, you know, earlier this week. Uh, but seeing through that rookie wall and fighting through that rookie wall will be interesting to see how he does the last month of this season. And if if he does nothing this last month and he's not very good this last month. We've still seen enough of his game to this point to know he's a better player today than he was pre-draft. He's a better player today than he was in January, and he's made the progress necessary in your rookie season to kind of pass him along as a very, very good player. It's still going to be interesting to see how he fits into this plan long-term. Is he a starter, sixth man, a stagger guy where you kind of maybe start him, but then playing bench minutes? Just kind of seeing how he fits in the plans will be interesting. But one thing's for sure is that with a second-round pick in this draft class that was not particularly praised by any means, if you go back to and remember what people said about that 2020 class, with your second-round pick, you've got a high-impact player. This guy, Taylor Maldon, will be a steal for you. He'll be that that late draft, that redraft hero, right, that everyone redrafts way higher than he went. He'll be that kind of guy for you. This is a big deal, and this is a big value play. Even as he's hit that rookie wall, let's not forget where he's been this year. And then Darius Baisley once again comes through, and and we didn't see the efficiency I wanted to see from him. Remember in the preview, I said that I'd love to see him take advantage of this game with no true big men and get in the paint, be aggressive, and also mix with that aggressiveness, efficiency. We didn't see that tonight. Although he scores 26 points, nine rebounds, two assists, a steal, three turnovers, which is down from where he had been as his first return. Whenever his first return, he got like nine turnovers, uh, two different games. This time he gets three, but he just shoots just 12% from deep and shoots just 36% from the floor. Not efficient whatsoever, but still aggressive. I think that the efficiency will come and we've said this before, but his shot itself looks good. And I'm going to continue to hold on to that because a guy who's who's shooting that purely and whose form is that good, eventually you have to think that this guy will, will have the shots fall for him. Now, he's never going to be a stand and shoot three-point guy. And that's why I just berated his first half of the season and blamed it on whoever, him, Mark, Sam, whoever's making him be that's sit-in-the-corner guy. That's not his game. His game is about cutting. we went through the numbers before. His game is all about cutting and moving off ball. And you're seeing a different base in this second half, not only with the aggressiveness of drive, but the ability to move off ball and the kind of consistency of these moving off ball, which he did not have in that first half. And that's what's unlocked, the point totals. Now, how do we unlock the efficiency? We'll talk more about Basley coming up, but first I want to tell you about a good friend over at Theragun. Don't let the stress of daily life weigh on your body, whether you're an elite athlete or someone like me just trying to make it through the day. Tension-free, Theragun can help. Theragun is the handheld percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension using an efficiently calibrated combo of depth, speed, and power, and it's as quiet as an electric toothbrush. The Gen 4 Theragun does not just feel good. It gets to the source of the pain by releasing tension. Using Theragun's signature percussive therapy, which goes 60% deeper than vibration alone. Whether you want to get your muscles' tensions from working out, or injury, or just stresses from everyday life, there's no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4. The OLED screen and design make you feel like you're holding something from the future. So just go to their site and check it out. And the Theragun app from learns from your behaviors and suggests guided routines for your Theragun. Theragun is trusted by 250 professional sports teams from Real Madrid to elite athletes like Paul George, DeAndre Hopkins, Mira Shapova. Hundreds of thousands of customers try Theragun for 30 days starting at $199. Get theragun.com slash locked on right now. Go to theragun.com slash locked right now and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's theragun.com slash locked on, theragun.com slash locked on, and get it at only $199, theragun.com slash locked on. We're back on the Locked On Thunder podcast, on the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I want to say right now about our Locked On NFL draft coverage this year. The Locked On Podcast Network is participating and partnering with the Draft Network to cover the NFL Draft live. Get insight and analysis from the Locked local experts and the Draft Network's regional experts. Subscribe to the Locked NFL YouTube page and watch live three-day coverage of the NFL Draft on April 29th through May 1st. That's, again, the Locked On NFL YouTube page for live NFL Draft coverage during the NFL Draft. So, Tail Allen played well. Dearest Baisley does not have the efficiency that we want him to have quite yet. I will say in this game, though, he he broke out that spin move yet again to get to the rim. Could that spin move be his signature move and be his go-to move that, that can really free him up and create a shot for him? Because whenever he's barreling down to the basket and just breaks out that spin move so fluidly, I don't know how you stop it, really. It could be something special for him. And he took a beating down low. That's one thing that really hurt his efficiency is that he really had a ton of drives that could have been called fouls that weren't necessarily called fouls. Well, he did get to the line on this one, you still saw those no calls on Baisley drive. So the, the contact could hurt him a bit, but the fact that he's remaining aggressive and he's showing that spin move and he's showing the pump fake Euro step dunk that we saw early on. I think the first possession of this game was a pump fake Euro step uh, drive and dunk. He also had a drive in the half court setting where he gets the ball at the top of the key, drives into the teeth of the defense, gets swiped at three different times, and still finishes at the rim. That is the playmaking that he has and the ball ball handling he has. For his size, it's very rare. The biggest play that you saw from Baisley was the inbound pass to him. He brings the ball up the floor by himself, gets a screen from Ty Jerome, goes to the basket, lays it in, golden. Just a golden play, and that shows off his versatility that he can be that coast-to-coast kind of player. Although it's off of an inbound, he can obviously do that as off of a rebound as well. Not just the inbound. But he did take a ton of contact. Now, the question becomes as we talk about Teo being maybe a sixth man or a bench player, can Baisley be a starter? And that's what will have to be determined next year because it won't be answered this year. Baisley can play amazing. Baisley can play awful. Baisley can play in between this year. It doesn't matter how he plays this year. We will not know if he can be a starter on next year's team and beyond and in the future plans of this organization as a starter. Because we have to see how he gels with Shea and gels with other ball handlers. Because if you're going to turn him back into what he was in the first half of the year, where he's sitting in the corner and just waiting around, that's not good for anybody. That's not maximizing your asset in Baisley. That's not good for Baisley's game and development. That's not good for anything involved with this team. It doesn't make your team better. Your team gets worse that way. So if you're going to force him to be off-ball and distant off ball, meaning like just a stationary and waiting for a kick out from Shea, which Shea is incredible at the drive and kick. We've seen that this year. He creates so much gravity and has so much gravity on his drives that it opens up open shots for his teammates. But if the teammates can't knock him down, it's not kind of, it's not really useful. So I, I am interested to see if the best version of Baisley is not coming off the bench where he's able to flourish more and be more dominant on the ball and be more dominant and aggressive with his opportunities, more so than playing off of people. Because if the second unit consists of just Teo and Baisley, then those two guys can both be very aggressive without negating anybody else. So I am fascinated by the future, as that's going to be a common theme, obviously, with this entire podcast and every Thunder you know, every Thunder content in general is all that about the future, the future, the future, because this organization is about the future. I I wouldn't be shocked if we don't see Bazley as a starter next year. And I don't think that that's a slight on Bazley. I think that's just doing what's the good of the team and good of him. Like I think that he'd be a lot better of a player if he was on the bench and he'd be that player that he's coming off the bench in Oklahoma city. And you might talk yourself into elsewhere and saying, Hey, you know, we could make that guy a starter and be really good. Whereas with this current group, maybe he's just not a good starter. He's better. His skill set's better used off the bench. So I think that that's something to monitor moving forward. But we mentioned the, the disappointing first half from Moses Brown and, and Tony Bradley, but the second half, they really got going. Moses Brown, Finishes with 12 points, 11 rebounds, to a sit, uh, 2 steals. Tony Bradley finishes with 8 points and 8 rebounds, 4 offensive and 4 defensive rebounds for Tony Bradley. Uh, Moses Brown, he was more aggressive in the second half, and he kind of realized his size, right? We, we joke about Baisley uh, realizing his, his athleticism this last week. It felt like in the second half, after halftime, Brown realized the size of he had. He rips off like 7 straight points at of halftime. He has that monstrous play where he just absolutely rips the ball, out of the hands of a a pacer and just slam dunks it in with an and one because of the foul. He had more of those your dominant plays in this second half. But Isaiah Roby showed flashes again of how he could stay on this team. We talked about uh, a couple games ago against Washington. The pick and roll defense really showed and gave the spotlight to why he could be a long-term fit because, or how he could be a long-term fit because, for him to be a long-term fit, he has to play beautiful pick-and-roll defense, which he did in Washington. You saw in this game his versatility. That's been the one thing that Coach Mark has praised and has uh, preached at everybody. Since day one, since his since his very first interview with the media, it's been all about versatility, versatility, versatility. And Isaiah Roby gives you that. He gives you that versatility. You saw countless times where he grabs a rebound and runs the length of the floor. You saw him do that more in this game than I think we ever have. And you're seeing his great passing ability. And it truly is great for his size, all things considered. It's a really good passing ability. For example, that bounce his fee, threading the needle in transition. Roby finishes again with a box score. It's not that impressive. I mean, 7-3-3, three, three, one steal, and if any fouled out. The fouls are the big deal for him because you saw in this game he's playing that five a little bit more than usual, at least we're usual as in recently because he played the five almost exclusively the first half of the year. And you saw the fouls creep up there, even with no true big man on the floor. Uh, he's got to work on not fouling defensively, but the versatility offensively is really helping him become a really talented player. And I think that he can make this a very tough decision for the Thunder the rest of the way, if he has another month where he does this. Because what he's doing right now, aside from the fouling, is filling the need that Mark has has talked about since day one, of being a versatile team that can run up and down the floor. He's got to be consistent, got to play better defense a little bit, uh, in terms of not fouling. But in general, I liked his game. And then Ty Jerome just looked off and did not look like himself today. He was kind of moving around weird today and just didn't have it tonight. That's going to happen. I thought he was going to have a big game for some reason. I mean, again, just the gut feeling. He didn't have a, a good game. He didn't have a good game at all. Just wasn't in it today. And that's going to happen. You're going to have ups and downs throughout the season. But one person that was absolutely in it is Kenny Hustle. I mean, Kenny Hustle was incredible in multiple ways. And once again, we have to have a long-term conversation with Kenny Hustle coming up. But first, I want to tell you about our good friends over at BetOnline.ag. BetOnline.ag is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sport action. While football might be over, you can still bet on football. You can bet on the NFL draft. You can bet on prop bets, future bets, over-unders on the NFL. You can bet on every single NBA game. We bet on every single Thunder game over here. You can bet on MLB, NHL, all that fun stuff. But also, it goes beyond sports. You can bet on awards, TV shows, and reality TV. With real-time updated odds and prop bets on almost anything you can imagine, BetOnline has you covered from the news, the scores, the odds. It is the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. So head over right now to their website, or even use your mobile device to sign up today, and you'll receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportbook experts. Once again, go to BetOnline.ag. Whenever you go there, use our promo code locked on, our promo code locked on to get that 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. And we'll tell you how the bet of the day went today for Locked On Thunder. I want to say right now, my good friends, over at RockAuto.com. Rackauto.com is a family-owned business serving you auto parts online for 20 years, that's right, 20 years ago. You probably struggled with the internet in general, right? You probably just were at a loss. Your, your landline would ring and all of a sudden the internet would stop working, it was a disaster. But you could have been going to rockout.com 20 years ago. You can fix that mistake by not going there 20 years ago, by going there today. Their website is incredible and it's the reason why I love it. Because for me, I know nothing about cars. Therefore, I wouldn't know what dimensions I need and what would be compatible with my vehicle and what would not be compatible with my vehicle. But at rockauto.com, all I have to do is put my make, my model, my year into their database, and they're only going to show me car parts that are compatible with my vehicle that way. I'm not wasting parts, time, and money on things I do not need, parts I cannot use. It's simple. It's easy. rockauto.com, a great website to navigate. Trust me on that one. Go there right now. rockauto.com for their amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need whenever you do. Tell them Locked On sent you, and the how did you hear about us box, and they'll know what to do from there. Rockar.com, amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. I want to say right now about the ultimate mock draft 2021 presented by the Locked On Podcast Network in Odyssey. It's happening right now. It features analysis from the local experts of the Locked On Podcast Network and NFL experts, Michael Irvin, Jason Lockenfora, Brian Baldinger, and our local experts from the Locked On Podcast Network. We're picking the stars of your team of the future. Search Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 with the new Odyssey app or wherever else you get your podcast from. Odyssey is your home for sports, podcasts, music, and news that matter to you. That's Odyssey, A-U-D-A-C-Y. Let's get into Kenny Hustle on this one because Kenny Hustle put on a display of scrappiness in this one. If you look up scrappy in the dictionary right now, it should have a picture next to it of Kenny Hustle. He was diving on the floor constantly. He was creating possessions both with rebounds, with steals, with deflections. He was doing it all, and he was truly involved and engaged. Him and, him and Sfi hate losing. Him and Sfi are not aboard the tank. They, these two guys are giving it 1,000% every time they step on the floor. Kenny Hustle goes for 15 points, 7 rebounds, 2 assists, 2 steals, Shoots 50% from the floor, has a couple threes in this game. He's so fun to watch because of that effort, because of that scrappiness, because you just don't understand how it's possible. How is it possible that in this condensed schedule, that Kenny Hustle, who by far has the least amount of games off of anybody, is still able to bring it every single night, is still able to bring that intensity, that edge, that hustle, that grit, every single game, It doesn't make sense to me. It really doesn't. Uh, It's it's a testament to him and to his play style and to what he values. It's impressive. It's jaw-dropping that he never seems to have a night where he doesn't attack the the rim. He doesn't attack that loose ball. He doesn't attack the defense. He doesn't try to put his fingerprints all over every single game. That's a very good sign. That's a very good example for young players. People always like to throw these silly arguments about how this tank will hurt the culture or will hurt young players, and it's never really came to fruition ever, ever. Uh, but it's kind of silly. Like, it's not going to hurt SGA. SGA's going to be a great player or he's not. Lou Dort will be a great player or he won't. Same thing with Darius Baisley and everyone else. These guys are going to be great players or they won't. It's not, it has nothing to do with if you tank or not. Uh, but if you if you are concerned about that for some reason, Kenny Hustle's your culture guy. I mean, Kenny Hustle's the guy that's showing you how to do it day in and day out. And there hasn't really been any culture concerns. It's just a bad team. Like, uh, people are trying too hard, I think, to kind of explain what's happening right now and trying to get real in-depth in in, depth in it whenever they're really looking at it at surface level. Yes, this team's losing, and yes, this team is tanking. Uh, but if you watch the games, it's not bad for their development. It's not at all. I mean, if you watch the games, they're playing hard every single night. They're just not good. By design, they're not good. And so if you keep playing this hard and you keep playing... Uh, with this much passion, but you get better players in here, you'll be a lot better, and your culture is back to what it was of, of winning games. Like, the, the only thing that changed in the culture is not the style of play in terms of how hard you play. It's just the players aren't very good <laughs> on this team. That's the bottom line. But Kenny Hustle helps steady that culture if you are someone worried about that. He puts up 15 points in this one. The long-term question with Kenny Hustle, and again, this won't be answered this year. I mean, a lot of these questions are truly long-term. Is the shooting legit? Because it is puzzling how all of a sudden he can shoot very well. Now, shooting in general in the league is up a ton. Like, like guys are just shooting the ball a lot better for whatever the reason. If it's the sight lines, if it's the lack of fans, whatever the reason is, guys are shooting the ball a lot better this year. But if Kenny Hustle can shoot the ball this way, I mean, that unlocks a whole new realm of his game. Now, I'm not buying into this shot necessarily because it is a bit of small sample size, because he's not shooting the ball even two times a game from beyond the arc. He's shooting at 1.7 times a game, and he's up to 44%. Compared to when he shoots at two times, two and a half times per game, last year, he went down to 25%. And 3.4 times his rookie year, he was at 33%. So I think at that, that 33% number is more where he's going to be at in his career. But for right now, he's shooting 44% in very small sample size. But from the floor, he's shooting 52% on five attempts per game, Whereas last year on three attempts per game, he shot 34%. So like the floor, you know, shooting from the floor has gone up as well. And it's gone up significantly more than he's ever shot in his career uh, and better than he's ever shot in his career. I'm fascinated by Kenny Hustle's long-term shooting splits. We won't get that answer this year. We'll hopefully get it next year no matter where he plays. I think we'll play here in Oklahoma City. He's just a good player to watch and a fun player to watch. And again, he's going to be that culture cider for you. Uh, he's going to be that kind of Nick Collison role for you, the way we thought Steven Adams would. It turns out it'll be a guy who never even played with Nick Collison, and it'll be Kenny Hustle because Kenny Hustle just embodies Nick Collison on the floor every single day. Before we get out of here, we got to give praises to Luke. So Luke, He pours in 20 points, 9 rebounds, 4 assists, 2 blocks, but has the 5 turnovers. He's legitimately good at cutting off ball. He's legitimately good at cutting just in general. You see a lot of inbound play, plays to be designed for him to go back door and to cut around screens and, and to get open looks off the inbound. And they really utilize that. And his teammates are very good at finding him. And so it makes me wonder, and this is a question I can leave you with to, to let me know on Twitter, rather than underscore Stiles, it's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. It makes me wonder, how much is Speed benefiting from this system and from his teammates. If you think back to that trade, I said his numbers will go up in Oklahoma City because this is a better system than Dwayne Casey runs. It's a better team around him than Dwayne Casey has around Svi. How much of this is progression? How much of this is legitimately what Svi is in his career? How much of this is sustainable and and duplicatable next year? And how much of it is, hey, he's in a good system, and if you put another guy in this spot and gave him the opportunities that Svi's gotten they do the exact same thing. So how much of this is interchangeable and how much of this is a testament to Svi himself? That will be something that the Thunder have to look at this offseason. You've got to resign him this year or let him walk. And it's a tough call because on one hand, I can make the argument very easily that Svi is a replacement level player. If you put a guy in his spot, they're going to do exactly what he's doing right now. But You can also make the argument very easily that He's been a he's been above replacement level. That you can't find a SP roaming around somewhere in this offseason. It's a tough call that they have to make their decision on in a month. And so if you're wondering why the lineup's rotation looks this way or why SPEE is getting so many opportunities and minutes, it's because they have a really tough decision to make. And and a decision that I can justify either way, and those are the toughest ones to make. Ones where you can justify yes or no, and there's no clear-cut side those are the toughest calls to make and the easiest calls to be retroactive on and and to look back on and say, oh, you messed that up, even though at the time we would have been fine with either direction. So I'm interested to see what Svi does long-term and if he's legit or if he's just a replacement-level guy. And what his price tag is. I think this offseason can be really murky and really weird with price points. I want to see what people are willing to give him this offseason in the open market. So the better the day today, was Oklahoma City plus nine. I told you yesterday in the preview to lock in whatever number Vegas gave you for Oklahoma City. They gave you nine points. Lock that in. The Thunder cover, OKC plus nine. The money ball pick was Ty Jerome. That did not hit whatsoever, but three guys hit two. Svi, Teo, So those do cash in. The MVP of this game. It's tough. I'm not sure who to give it to, but I'm gonna give it to Kendrick Williams because of all the things we talked about before and what he brought to the table in this one and his competitive spirit try his hardest not to lose this game. I thought they were going to win this game personally pregame, but they obviously lose this game. And in a, in a way, this is a massive loss. And in a way you look at this game, the way that say the, the Grizzlies look at being the Clippers, a, a game you weren't supposed to win, uh, but you won it anyway, because you, you just got lucky or, or you got the benefit of this or that. In a way, this is a game you were supposed to win and you got lucky that you lost it. Cause now you lost 12 straight and you're inching closer to where you want to go uh, in terms of the lottery odds and, Detroit almost got a massive win against Dallas, could not quite pull it off and, and hold on strong. They started out really good against Dallas. Uh, but in a way, this is just kind of the topsy-turvy season of this is a big loss and an unexpected loss, if you will, uh, that you are appreciating. This is the rare season where you can enjoy unexpected losses and not just rip your hair out from them. Uh, so follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore styles. Again, uh, follow me on Locker Room, same thing at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. That's Twitter and Locker Room at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. If you're listening to this before 11 a.m. on Thursday, come join us on Locker Room. If you're not, don't worry. Next Thursday, same thing, 11 a.m. we'll be there. Follow me on Locker Room, follow me on Twitter. We'll be back on Friday with some more NBA draft content, so make sure to follow along for that, wherever you get your podcasts from. Until tomorrow, be good and be good to one another.